everybody, and welcome. It is time once again for the Jack Wagon Sports Podcast here on the Jack Wagon Network. Uh, we've had a lot of fun the last few weeks bringing this to you. Thank you to everybody that tuned in on Saturday or even afterwards. Uh, if you didn't catch it live and checked out our Saturday morning pregame show, uh, we were up to a little over 30 views. And I know that's not a lot, but for us, that that is a lot. And it really does mean a lot to us. We are very thankful for all of you. Uh, we hope you check out this podcast too. Uh, you know, tell your friends about it, uh, and we hope you enjoy this as well. Uh, as you can see, we are down a member again this week. Uh, Slade just thinks vacation is way more important than yeah. hanging out with us, I guess. But it is what it is. I mean, we're just going to do it without him. But um, no, we had we had a very busy weekend. We had week one of college football. Uh, we had the first round of the NASCAR playoffs. Uh, we have IndyCar season getting ready to wrap up. They had their season finale. Uh, we have. The NFL starting this week, so we're going to finish our NFC preview, uh, get you ready for week one, give you some predictions there. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, with that being said, uh, I just mentioned it. We had the first playoff race at Darlington. Uh, it was a great race. Um, I, I've always loved watching the Darlington races. It's not far from me. I really need to make it down there for one of them uh, you know, here soon. Um, but it was a great race. Eric Jones, uh, the surprise winner, not in the playoff field. Um, we also had a lot of engine failures. Uh, we had Kyle Busch, um, Martin Truex Jr. Uh, Kyle Larson had some issues. Uh, Kevin Harvick also had some issues. His, I don't, I don't think it was necessarily engine blew up. Uh, the shit just caught on fire. Um, and then uh, Chase Elliott also had issues as well, uh, taking him out of the race. He was not very happy afterwards. Uh, here is a look at the updated. Oh, that's a new car. Here is a look at the updated. Uh, playoff standings after the Darlington race. Uh, Joey Logano leads the way. Your four drivers out right now uh, are Kevin Harvick, uh, Chase Briscoe, Austin Dillon, and Austin Sindrick. Uh, Nick, just your thoughts on the race uh, real quick on the weekend and, and your thoughts on the last two playoff races uh, and if your prediction for the first four out change after week one. Yeah, so as far as um, the race itself goes, uh, like usual lately here i didn't get to watch it uh got to watch the highlights afterwards read some of the interviews that went on and whatnot and the first thing i just want to say is we talked about it last week and this goes to show like the playoff format we just had a winner that is not actually in the playoff sit there and win the race in my opinion that guy should still have some sort of contention if he were to bust off multiple wins in a row you know just still win a championship so um not that i think he's going to do that but just saying in general um as far as my four out, Harvick being in there, definitely, I did not have that called. Um, one bad race, I don't think, means a whole lot. So I, I, at this point, I think I'm going to change or keep, sorry, my first four out rather than change it. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're heading to two tracks that Harvick performed really well at in Kansas and Bristol. Uh, he was one Bristol last year, uh, Kansas. At you know the spring race, granted he didn't have speed, but a lot of the Swordhouse racing cars did not. Since the season's gone on, he has picked up some speed. Um, so I definitely think that he, yeah, he's in danger. I'm not saying you know he's safe or anything like that, but he he's definitely heading to two tracks that are comfortable for him. Uh, but I mean the, the playoff standings overall were really shaken up. Christopher Bell jumps all the way up to fourth in the standings, as you can see here. Uh, Ryan Blaney dropped a couple spots, but he's still in really good contention. Um, but yeah, it was. I mean, this is what the playoffs are. I mean, one one bad race can derail your whole season. You, you saw Chase Elliott came in leading the points. All of a sudden, he's down to ninth, you know, uh, 14 points above the cutoff line. Uh, and that that is the excitement factor that these playoffs brings. And that's the one thing that I, I do enjoy about the playoffs is, yeah, it, it brings a lot of excitement factor. I mean, we talked about it last week about what we would rather prefer. At the end of the day, you know, this is what we're stuck with. And, hey, I might as well enjoy it while it's here. Yeah. Uh, as far as Eric Jones, uh, I mean, it's great to see him win. He was uh, at JGR for a couple years. You could tell he was putting good equipment, but definitely was not up to, to par with his teammates and Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, and, and MCJ. Uh, you know, you could tell there was just something different uh, about those cars. And it, it's like that at every four-team operation, it seems like to me. It's like you have the star. You have the, the next two, I would say, that are you know probably getting really good equipment. And then the guy at the end, you know, he – not getting the best crew guys, you know, not getting all the best stuff. And a lot of people, and me especially, feel like he kind of got shafted at, at JGR. Um, goes over to Richard Petty Motorsports, 
does decent last year, and now GMS comes in, partners with Richard Petty, uh, and, and here we are. They, they get their first win in a couple years. Uh, awesome for him to see. This season as a whole, he's been running really well at times. I think back to California, he was battling for the win uh, and you know, got into the wall a little bit, ended up having the drop back. And there's been other races throughout the season as well that he's been competing and, and challenging up there towards the front. It's nice to see him finally get a breakthrough. Uh, so I was, I was really excited to see that and, and very happy for him. As far as uh, my first four out, um, I'm, I'm going to, like I said, I think Harvick can bounce back here. Um, I'm going to say Briscoe, Dylan, and Cindric will probably miss the cut. Um, as far as the fourth, I would, I think it's going to be a battle between Harvick and Suarez. As much as I hate to say that because I really want both of them to advance on, um, just ahead of them, Kyle Busch maybe. Other than that, I think everybody else in front of the cutoff line right now, unless something drastically goes wrong the next two races, should be safe. Uh, but we will have to wait and see. Uh, speaking of motorsports, uh, we had the IndyCar Grand Prix at Portland this past weekend. Um, lots of news going on over in the IndyCar world. Uh, we have Colton Herta, who's trying to get approved for an F1 super license so he can go race for AlphaTauri next year. Um, the FIA is currently reviewing his appeal. He, I believe he's four points short of the super license, and so he's trying to get an appeal so that way they grant it to him so he can go race in the F1 next year. Uh, so that is something we'll have to keep our eye on. Uh, Scott McLaughlin gets a huge win. As you can see here, the top five in points are going to be the challenging uh, for the championship at Laguna Seca here um, coming up. I'm super excited to see the race. It's always one of my favorite tracks to go to. Uh, Will Power has only had one win all season, but he's been super consistent. I believe he's only had two finishes outside of the top 15 all year um, and clicking off podiums um, and, and top 10 finishes to, to get himself into this points position. Uh, Marcus Erickson was strong through the middle part of the season, uh, won the Indy 500 and, and kept his points lead up until a few races ago. Uh, Joseph New Newgarden has come on as a late. Scott Dixon, the veteran who just always seems that he finds a way to, to get himself into the championship fight. Uh, and, and Scott McLaughlin, like we said, just won uh, to keep his championship hopes alive. Uh, Nick, your thoughts on, on who you think is going to take on the championship uh, at, at Laguna Seca? Yeah, um... <sighs> Really, I can't sit there and count any of those top five guys out at this point. Um, obviously, you know, one race left to do it. And when I think of people who need to win races, I win races. Will Power and Scott Dixon are probably the first two that I would name in IndyCar. Um, so, I, in my opinion, I think the main battle is going to be between those two guys. Um, but obviously, you know, the race will depend on where everybody starts and whatnot. So, uh, we'll see you here in a little bit or in a couple days. Um exactly how it's going to look and know okay who's going to be battling who you know for what spots um but those are the two guys i'm keeping an eye on yeah so they i, I would throw joseph newgarn into that conversation he won here i believe it was two years ago to, to clinch his title um i mean another thing to think about is willpower coming into this year was everybody watched simon pagina leave and say okay you know he was kind of getting washed up a little bit Ever since Power won his, his Indy 500 in 2018, yeah, he's had some bright moments, but it, you can definitely tell it, it almost looked like he was, his career was taking a downturn. Uh, and then all of a sudden, if we're heading to the last race in 2022, uh, you know, he's fighting for the championship. All he has to do is just avoid major mistakes and he should be fine. Um, so, I mean, what a season turnaround for him. Uh, as far as a race winner, I, I know Cone Herter really likes his track. Um, so I wouldn't you know, count him out of winning this race at all. Uh, but, yeah, I, I would say him or Joseph Newgarden, uh, Will Power and Scott Dixon have run well here. I just think, you know, track layout-wise and how it fits your driving style, I would put uh, both of them in, in the conversation to win this week. But I'm super excited to see that race this weekend. Uh, it's going to be Jim a lot of race fun. race is always fun. <laughs> yeah, uh, especially when you have a tight battle like this. Um, you know, I, I'm super, super excited, uh, and I'm definitely going to make sure I turn in for this one. Uh, I'm not afraid to miss a little bit of NFL just, just to catch this race. Um, speaking of NFL, uh, it is time to move on to our NFC season preview. Um, we did the AFC last week, so if you're looking for that, make sure you go check that out. Um, had a lot of fun doing that. Now it's time to bring you the NFC. Uh, Nick and I are both fans of NFC teams. Uh, he's a Commanders fan. I'm a Bears fan. I don't like to say too much, but... Uh, <laughs> I don't like to say <laughs> commanders much either. <laughs> but uh, get, getting into our picks, uh, start off just like we did last week. Uh, Nick, who was your pick for the NFC East champion? 
NFC East. So I had to go with my favorite team, obviously, uh, the Washington Commanders. Um, but if I'm looking at it from a outsider's point of view, if I'm being honest, as much as I hate to say it, and I hate the Philly, or hate the Philly, hate the city, but hate Philly. Um, the Eagles, in my opinion, right now look like the team best poised to do it. Um, that defense is going to be scary, especially if everybody stays healthy. The offense really just relies on Jalen Hurts. So, um, realistically, I'm thinking Philly, but I, I think my boys got a little mad. Yeah, I mean. I- Slate goes with the, the Cowboys here in the East. I think this division year in, year out, no matter how good teams look on paper coming into the season, it always turns into a crapshoot. Uh, every team in this division to me is, is always one injury away from plummeting down the, the standings. Um, I did go with the Eagles with my pick, but I, I could definitely see the Commanders with a much improved team overall this year vying for, for the, the uh, division. Uh, the Cowboys, yeah, they've had a lot of injuries in preseason. They have a lot of question marks, but they still have a very strong defense, in my in my opinion. Um, I think they can definitely, you know, if, if their defense steps up, if they can put a couple pieces together on offense, they can absolutely challenge. Like I said, you know, they had their biggest question mark to me is the offensive line. Uh, it was already unstable coming into the season. They had a couple injuries in preseason. I mean, you also have questions at, at the wide receiver position. They lose Amari Cooper, um, who was their absolute number one. Uh, you have Michael Gallup coming back from injury. Um, so they have the talent there, but it's just a lot of question marks. Uh, moving on to my division, uh, I'll call it, is the NFC North. Uh, Who do you take here, Nick? Yeah, so I, I don't know if this is controversial or not, but I actually went with the Minnesota Vikings here. And I know, at least I think, that you're not going to – Oh, oh I, I didn't am. think you were going to like that pick. I didn't think you were going to like it. Um. I don't hate Green Bay, and really the Vikings with a new head coach for me is probably their biggest question mark, but he's an offensive-minded um, coach, which I think is what Kirk Cousins needs. He's got talent around him to let that offense score points. Um, I don't know how many primetime games they have this year, but I should have taken that into account. Um, however, Green Bay, you know, I like the defense there, but Aaron Rodgers doesn't have anybody to throw to, and everybody keeps saying, oh, well, he's, you know, double – or back-to-back MVP and I, I just I don't see him doing that with the team that he currently has um, I think his running backs are strong but wide receivers are a huge question mark that's why I went with Minnesota yeah uh, Slee goes with Green Bay here I think it's a it's a 100% toss-up between Green Bay and Minnesota I think Minnesota has vastly improved their team from last season uh, and yet Green Bay has gone through some downgrades um, but Aaron Rodgers I think their defense is still strong uh, but Aaron Rodgers always just finds a way, uh, you know, to, to win, basically. Um, yeah, it, it does hurt losing Devontae Adams, especially his number one receiver right now is Alan Lazard. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's absolutely questions surrounding this team. But, I, I like I said, if there's anybody out there in the NFL who could take a, a shitty team outside of Tom Brady, it's, it's Aaron Rodgers and make something out of that. Um, and like I said, they, they still have a very strong defense, and that'll keep them in enough games. And, you know, when you, when you put the ball in Aaron Rodgers' hands in the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game, uh, it doesn't matter who, who you put out there. You could put a fucking pylon out there and he'd find a way to complete a pass to it. Um, and so I, I think it comes down to the wire between these two. We get to see them in week one. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if, if I look at the Vikings, the biggest question mark is Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know, he's, he's been labeled as this guy for his whole career as somebody who can't get it done under the big spotlight, you know, primetime games, whatever you want to call it. Um, he's somebody who, who struggles often then. Um, and so he's getting this new coach in, like we, like you said, it's an offensive minded head coach. Hey, is this finally going to help him take the next step? We saw him have issues with Adam Thielen, uh, in the past couple seasons. Um, their, their running back is a question mark. Yeah. Dalvin Cook is great, but he also gets injured a lot. Can they keep him healthy? Do they have a solid number two option? Uh, like you said, there's a lot of question marks for both of these teams for me, but I think they're far and away the two best teams in this division. And I, I see both of them going to the playoffs. Uh, it just comes down to the, the wire for me, which, I mean, year in, year out, it, it always seems like it does for these two teams. Uh, moving on to the NFC South, uh, who'd you take here? Um, I took the Saints in the NFC South. I'm not gonna, that did surprise me a little bit. Uh, and we're going to get the most improved teams here in a second. I, I agree. I think the Saints are going to be much improved, especially if Jameis can stay healthy for a full season. 
uh, you know, Chris Olave at wide receiver. Uh, they have the pieces there. It, it's for me, it's the problem of can this team come gel together? Uh, how's the new head coach going to perform? Things like that that kind of still linger in the back of my mind. Um, at the end of the day, the reason I went with the Buccaneers over the Saints is because I think, yeah, Tom Brady didn't play a full preseason. Yeah, there's a lot of distractions going on. But again, like I just said with Aaron Rodgers, if there's anybody that can just take this team out there and just will them to wins, uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Tom Brady. Um, and so. Again, I think this is going to be a great race between these two teams throughout the season. Um, I just had the Buccaneers with, with a little bit of advantage. They still have Mike Evans at wide receiver. They still have a, not a, a fully stacked defense like they did last year, I feel like. Uh, but I definitely feel like it's one of the top defenses in the division, but especially in the NFC. Uh, and last but not least, our... Well, uh, I didn't even get to say why I chose the Saints. Well, I mean, you said it, and then you just talked I know. About it. Well, I like, I like yeah, I paused so you could get them up on the screen, whatever. But... um. Sorry, the next one, I'll make sure that I just say it all. So um, I, I do think the distractions are going to have some sort of effect. Like, there's enough of something going on to where Tom Brady decided to retire and then unretire and then misses some of his, you know, preseason or whatever. Um, I don't necessarily think it's it's going to make this team fall to four wins, um, but it's there. And whatever it is, it, it's going to have some, whether it be the slightest effect or not. Um, I do agree with you. The defense took a step back in Tampa Bay. And uh, New Orleans has the pieces, you know, if they can put it all together. And honestly, what I think is going to come down between these two teams is going to be their two games against each other. Mm -hmm. um, and we do know, now, yeah, Sean Payton's not there anymore, but we do know that uh, Tom Brady has a little problem with New Orleans. So I, that that's where I'm putting all this at. So I, I do think... Either one of them could honestly take the division, but my heart said go with the Saints, so I went with the Saints. Yeah. I mean, my, my biggest thing, like, you brought up Brady's retiring, unretiring. I think it's 100% just pure spite at this point. Uh, I think he was 100% done, and then, you know, Adam Schefter ruined it, and he's like, fuck this, I ain't going out like this. Yeah. Like, I had to come back. So, yeah, I, I 100%, I think that's what that is, and I think that's just going to fuel Brady even more. Um, and so, I mean, like I said, we saw it in years at New England where he just took absolute scrubs at wide receiver and made them look like all pros year in, year out. Um, so we'll see if he can keep that up in Tampa Bay, uh, but we shall wait and see. Uh, but like I said, last but not least, our uh, NFC West division. I'm pretty sure we all went with the same exact team here, but uh, Nick, why don't you go first? Yeah, so I had to go with the Rams here. Um, I, I don't think they have any honest, true competition um, to win that division or to take that division from them. Um, I have them as very high on my list of Super Bowl teams. Um, I, I know, you know, Odell's still a free agent, so he's probably not going to be coming back there. Um, but they picked up Allen Robinson. Um, and I, I think that if you look at his stats last year, they're a little misguiding. I think he still has plenty of talent to go around. Um, he just wasn't used properly. George will probably tell you a little bit about that in Chicago. Um, but I, I just think that they still have everything they need to be that team to beat, make that run, and have a good shot at defending their championship come the end of the season. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree, um, especially about Allen Robinson. Uh, he was very underutilized in Chicago. Uh, I hated to see that. I loved him when he first came in. Uh, he was one of my favorite players. Um, I'm glad to see he's, he's now in a place that will hopefully use him properly. Uh, he is an all-pro talent, and for Chicago not to, to see that and to utilize that properly pissed me off for years. Um, now he's being teamed with arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in Matthew Stafford. Um, they still have uh, Cooper Cup. Um, they, ha they have great tight ends. They now have a decent running back uh, so they can you know exploit their, their ground game a little bit more this year. I think that was their biggest downfall last year, and we're talking about a team that won the Super Bowl, is they didn't have – in my mind, a solid running game. Sony Michelle was not dependable at all. Um, he would get some good runs here and there, but then there would also be, you know, third in inches, and he couldn't – he just didn't have any muscle. Uh, I expect the run game to be a lot better, and from there, I expect the offense to be a lot more potent uh, and dynamic and be able to run the ball and pass the ball. You know, you don't have to guess on a third and six if it's a play fake, and you know it's, it's you know, it's absolutely a, a play action. Um so I'm like I'm excited to see this offense. I think take another step this year. Um, and their defense, they get Aaron Donald back. Um, Jalen Ramsey's still there. Oh, well, I, I keep my thoughts about him to myself, but I, I think this is definitely the team to beat in the NFC still. Um, 
and especially in the FC West, like you said, I, I don't see anybody competing with them. Uh, I think the 49ers are taking a step back this year. Uh, Seattle's definitely leaving, staying in the cellar. And then you have uh, the Cardinals, who I think are going to be a half-decent team, uh, but not on the Rams level. Uh, moving on uh, to our playoff teams, Nick, I'll let you go over yours first. Yeah, so um, obviously the four division winners. And then I went with Philly because, like I said, I realistically think they have the, the better team on paper to win the division this year. And the Bucks and the Packers, um, because, like I said, in both of those conversations, I think they could that division could go either way. And whichever one of those two teams loses is still getting in the playoffs. And I just, like you said, I don't think Arizona has the talent to win enough games to consider themselves a playoff team at the end of the season. Um, you know, they their wide receiver room is questionable. Um, Kyler Murray himself is questionable. Uh, you know, they have Connor, but other than that, the offense has a lot of question marks. And yeah. the defense is going to do what they do, but um, I, I don't think it's going to be enough to win 11, 12 games this year. Yeah. I mean, another thing about the, the Cardinals, too, we're going to talk about our decline teams here coming up in a little bit. Um, I think there's too much distractions there. Like, everybody made a big deal over the offseason. Kyler Murray's new deal. He had that, uh, I'm going to call it the Madden clause, but it was, it was a video game clause, Call of Duty clause, whatever you want to call it, where, you know, they were worried about him focusing on, on video games a little bit too much. And, you know, that thing blew up. And then in the preseason, um, he had the whole spout with, um, I can't think of the coach's name, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah. Um, he had the whole spout where, you know, he didn't like the play calling. So Cliff's like, fine, you call the fucking plays. You know, the first reason of the game, it didn't go well. And from there, you know, he got better with it. And so I, I think there's a lot of animosity between those two. And throughout the rest of the season, that, that's not going to get better. Um, it, it rarely ever does. And that always almost leads to problems every single time. Uh, so I think that's going to hurt them. Uh, Slade's playoff teams here. So he has his four division winners, the Cowboys, Packers, Bucks, and Rams. He went with the Panthers here, which I – when, it, when he told me this, I thought it was a little surprising, but then I thought about it a little bit more. Um, this was a 3-0 a, uh, team last year. Uh, they looked really good, and then Sam Darnold just started to fall apart. I mean, especially you think about that, that Cowboys game. Um, they easily could have won that. He ends up throwing, I think, three picks, um, and that did not help. Uh, Baker Mayfield is a step up. Everybody, you and I talked about this when in Slate 2 when the, the trade happened. Baker Mayfield gets a lot of shit, and, and I get he he's not a, a perfect quarterback. He's not a Matthew Stafford, Tom Brady. He's not on that level. But he was a quarterback that was able to lead the Browns to their, their first playoff appearance and their first playoff win. Um, you know, like I said, he, he's no saint. He's not, I, I don't want to say an all-pro quarterback, um, but he's definitely somebody that can lead franchises to playoffs. He, he's shown that. Yeah. Um, I think the Panthers have a decent team around them this year. Uh, I, I can easily see it being a three-horse race between the Bucks, the Saints, and the Panthers if a couple things go right for the Panthers. Um, if CMC stays healthy, that's, that's... yeah, yeah, that that's always their biggest thing. And uh, I mean, I know they do still have a couple questions on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they get Jace Horn back at I, I want to say that's his name, and I might have confused him with somebody else. But at, at uh, in the secondary. He looked great his first couple games last year before he got hurt. Um, so, I mean, I, I think overall this team is definitely going to improve this year. Um, playoff worthy, we'll have to wait and see, especially how their, their schedule plays out. But, like I said, I was surprised when he first picked this. Um, but the more I thought about it, I was like, it's not the worst pick. He, at least yeah. he didn't pick uh, the Bears or the Seahawks to go to the playoffs. Yeah. Um, his other playoff teams then are the Cardinals. Uh, we just talked about that. Again, they absolutely have the possibility to be a wild card team. Uh, it'll it'll be a wait and see game with them and the Eagles. Uh, my playoff teams, I go with the Eagles, the Vikings, the Bucks, and the Rams as my division winners. Um, again, Packers and Vikings are, are fighting out for the North Division, uh, so I put the Packers in my wild card. Uh, the Saints are fighting for the South. I put them in my wild card, and I actually did go with the Commanders in the East, uh, making the last wild card spot. Um, again, I think this is a much improved team this year. I'm excited to see what they can do. Um, they got a little bit more help at wide receiver. I think Carson Wentz has the best team around him since the year that you know he put, led the Eagles to their great record. You know, obviously he gets hurt, um, but I, it it comes down to him at, at this point. It, it, if he is the quarterback, that, you know, obviously the, the Commanders think that he is, and fans of his think he is. This is his season to put up or shut up. Uh, you know, you either have a half decent year, and, and again, we said it earlier, he wasn't terrible with the Colts. 
uh, he got a lot of unfair blame there. And, you know, I, I think he's going to be playing with an extra chip on his shoulder this year. And I'm excited to see what he can do. Again, I think the Cowboys are just taking too much of a step back. I think the Giants are a sleeper team. I, th- I think a lot of team people are, are underrating them. You know, I, I think everybody expects them to finish at the bottom of the, the NFC again. I think they could easily be in competition for the, the NFC East. Uh, we shall wait and see. Uh, Daniel Jones just needs to mature and, and grow up a little bit at the quarterback position, and you know, that that's absolutely elite to see. Uh, but we shall wait and see on that. Uh, moving on. It is time for our NFC Championship picks. Um, you already alluded to the Rams. I'm picking the Rams. Uh, I think we're all on the Rams here. I don't think there's any real question about that. Um, again, I think they reloaded super well last year from the Super Bowl. Um, I just don't see any huge outstanding flaws. Now, obviously, injuries can happen, and you know that, that's a risk you take every year. Um, but as far as this goes for me, like I said, I think they reloaded too well. They have too much returning. Um, and Sean McVay is arguably one of the best head coaches in the NFL. Um, so for me, I, I feel like it was an easy pick. Yeah. I do want to say, though, as again, as much as I hate to say it, if Jalen Hurts becomes the quarterback this year that they, for some reason, think he can be over there in Philly, um, that's a team that could be up here. I still don't know if they're good enough to beat the Rams, but, um, you know, you catch them on the right night. That's a team that could be up there in conversation. So we'll see. But I, I don't think Jalen Hurts is that guy, pal. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with you. I, he's, a, he's a decent quarterback. He's not the worst quarterback in the no. NFL, and certainly not in his own division. But um, I, I feel like there's he doesn't have the confidence yet. I, I feel like when Gardner Minshew came in for him last year, you saw a guy with confidence lead that yeah. team, and he got a couple wins. Um, I, I just don't think Jalen Hurts has enough confidence in himself. And maybe he found that all season. Like I said, we'll have to wait and see. Um, but so all of us are writing the Rams for the NFC Championship pick. Uh, moving on to our most improved teams in the NFC, uh, Nick, I'll let you go first. Uh, yeah, so okay, you brought it up on the screen. Cool. Um, so I got Washington, obviously, went 7-10 last year. I have them winning the division or at least competing for it. I think with as easier as their schedule is, um, there's a very real possibility for 10, 11, maybe even 12. Um, however, being a Washington fan, it's probably more realistically like 8. Um because we never seem to take advantage of things we're supposed to. I have Detroit in there. I think that I think they should have been a better team than they were last year. Um, had a few things not fall their way. I mean, they lost the game to the Ravens to the longest field goal in NFL history. Um, they just all season they had shit that was keeping them out of games. And then third, obviously, I have the Saints. I talked about it. Um, I think they're going to win that division this year. Uh, and they went, I want to say, I didn't write it down. I think they went 8-9, eight, 8-9, nine. Eight, nine, nine, and, nine and 8. Yeah, it's somewhere floating around even. Um, and I think they're going to be pushing for 11-12, maybe 13 wins um, this yeah. season. Yeah, again, and a lot of those losses are because uh, James Winston goes down and you get put Taysom Hill at quarterback for an entire year, which was never going to work. Um, I went with the same exact teams that you did for mostly the same reasons. The last thing I'm going to add to the Lions pick is I, I think this team has started to buy it. You saw it last season. They bought in more and more to the Dan Campbell regime. And I think over the offseason, and if you've watched Hard Knocks at all, um, I think that team as a whole has just, again, fully bought into his system and his beliefs. Uh, I, I think that more than anything helps a lot of football teams win games. Um, you know, they're going to get into situations this year where it's a one-possession game, and you know, whereas last season they're probably sitting there going, shit, you know, here we go again. Um, I, I think this year they're going to be sitting there going, okay, it's, it's, it's time to go, let's go. And again, this is also a team that we saw just absolutely fucking demolish the Cardinals last year. And I think a lot of yeah. people forget that happened. So we know that this offense and this defense have that kind of potential to stop, you know, dead in its tracks, one of the best offenses in the league at that point in the season last year. And, you know, I think this is, again, I don't know if they're quite ready to compete for the NFC North. They might even compete for a wild card spot. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but, yeah, I think they're going to be vastly improved from the, the three-win team they had last year. Uh, yeah, we'll and the key for them is, and you kind of talked about it, you got to embody the Detroit City mindset. Like, yeah. we've seen it with the Bad Boy Pistons. Um, you you got to know that you're in Detroit. This is what Detroit is, whether you're from Detroit or not, because obviously most players on the team probably aren't. Like, that's 
you embody that attitude, and I think that's what Dan Campbell is trying to do in there. Um, it, they're going to be tough. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super excited to see that. Uh, Slate's pick uh, for most improved teams. Uh, he went with the Eagles as well as the Panthers. We already kind of alluded to the, as why the Panthers. Uh, Slate's really buying into Jalen Hurts at XQB this year, I guess. Uh, moving on to our most declined teams. Um, you you kind of shocked me with one pick, but it, it also makes sense. Uh, you go with Green Bay, uh, Dallas, Tampa, and the Cardinals. I'll let you go with yours first. Yeah, so I went with Green Bay just because everybody else in that division, I didn't, I either didn't think was going to get worse or didn't think was going to get drastically worse than they already were. <laughs> Chicago. Um, <laughs> oh no, I, it's going to be much worse than last year. It, it, yeah, it, it could be, but we'll see. Anyway, um, I, I just, I wanted to go with Green Bay because they were at the top of the division last year, and I think that there's a chance that they drop down the whole way to third. But even if they're only second in the division, like like I said, I do think they still make the playoffs. But I think they make the playoffs as, like, 9-10 win team. Um, I, I don't see them repeating as, I think, that 12 or 13 last year. I don't see them doing that. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think they overall they take a step back. I mean, is it far enough to, like, of uh, a step back to take them out of the playoffs? No. I don't see them being the one seed this year. Um, but like I said, I mean, Again, I, I'm not I'm agreeing with you, but at the same point, like I don't want anybody to out there thinking like I'm saying Green Bay is going to end up being like the worst team in the NFC. That's, no, that's, no, that's not what we're saying at all. Um, and then Slade goes with Seattle. Uh, again, I didn't go with them just because I, I felt like they were they already were, pretty low. Yeah. Um, yeah. you did but go with San Francisco, which I kind of agree with. Uh, you know, this is the team that made the playoffs last year, made the NFC Championship game. Um. I think there's just too much instability across the team. Uh, I think Trey Lance is going to be a decent quarterback, but I don't know. In my mind, I don't think he's ready yet, but we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, but I think there's a lot of drama going on around that team, and now they decide to bring Jimmy G back and have him as their backup. Um, and so who knows what that's going to cause drama. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, is, is Trey Lance going to be looking over his shoulder every time he makes a mistake? Uh, and that could easily compound more and more mistakes. Um so I, I can definitely see where San Francisco is a team that takes a, a, a big step back this year. Yeah, um, and I don't think Debo Samuel has the same success he had last year. I think he'll yeah. still have success, but teams are going to know how to figure him out. We see receivers like that that do that kind of hybrid role mm-hmm. usually have one good season, maybe two good seasons, and then everybody figures them out or they get injured because of their workload or yeah. whatever. So I, I just don't see him repeating the same way. Yeah, yeah I, I, think he, I think he's still going to be a good producer. Is yeah. he going to be like – you know, wide receiver of the year material, in my mind, no. Uh, but we shall wait and see. Uh, moving on, uh, so that'll wrap up our, our NFC East preview. Um, we are super excited uh, for week one to get started here soon, really. Um, moving on, it is time to go over our week one picks, uh, just like we do for college football. Um, we're going to keep standings up throughout the year. Um, first game up that we're going to uh, give our predictions for, A lot of ums coming out of my mouth today. Uh, first first game up, uh, Thursday night, 8.20 p.m. Um, the Bills are at the Rams. And also, I made sure when I made the graphic this week, I, I changed everything. Uh, for so this team. isn't Georgia's spread. Yeah. Um, so the Bills at the Rams, Thursday, 8.20 p.m. on NBC. Buffalo is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is set at 52. Uh, Nick, who are you taking? Yeah, uh, I went with Buffalo on this one. Uh, you know, we just talked about the Rams and how good I think we are. I think the Bills should be and will be the best team in the NFL this year. Um, Josh Allen is slowly taking a step every year. Uh, well, took a couple big steps early on and then took some smaller ones here recently. Um, he's got the talent around him. Gabriel Davis, Gabriel Davis is kind of stepping into his role. Um, McKenzie ain't half bad either, and obviously he's got Diggs. I think their running backs are good enough to do what they need to do. Um, and the O-line solid. The defense, we know what the defense is. I think Buffalo is the best team in the NFL, and they're going to show it week one. Uh, Slade also goes with the Bills here. Um, and I went with the Bills as well, uh, so congratulations to L.A. I'm going yeah. to know. Um, the only thing I, I have left to say is it is bold of them to set the over-under 52 for probably the two best offenses in the NFL. Yeah, uh, there's good defenses, but this is I, still... <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so, if if I was able to put a bet in, I would definitely hit hit the over. Um, 
but that's going to be a great game. What a way to start off the season. Uh, I don't yeah. think they can't pick a better matchup to start uh, week one. Uh, moving on, I think the most talked about matchup uh, is the Browns at the Panthers, obviously with Baker Mayfield going there. There's been some news reports that he said some things. He's come out and said, no, I, I didn't say that. I respect the Browns. Um, we'll have to wait and see. But I, I think this is going to be a great game down here in Carolina. Uh, this is Sunday at 1 p.m. on CBS. Carolina opens as a one-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is set at 42. Nick, what do you think? Yeah, I'm going with Carolina on this one. Um, home field advantage, I think, like we talked about, they're a very slept-on team, especially now that they have Baker. Um, and the Browns, especially right now without Deshaun Watson, I, other than their running backs, I can't tell you what they have on offense. Um they oh, got Amari Cooper uh, this year. Yeah, yeah, Amari Cooper, yeah, with a quarterback who's not going to be able to get him the ball efficiently, um, at least for the first 11 weeks. So I, I don't see this going well for Cleveland. Um, this might start an absolute downhill spiral, uh, but Carolina. Yeah, uh, Slate goes with Carolina, and I do as well. Um, I, I think Baker Mayfield is definitely going to come out and play with a chip on his shoulder. And when we've seen before when he does that, he – plays like he's one of the best QBs in the league. He just doesn't do it consistently. Um, I, I think he's going to come out and, and show that for himself. He's going to be throwing the DJ more. They have a healthy CMC to start the year. How long that's going to go continue for, we don't know. Um, I think their offense is going to be a little bit too much for the Browns. Now, I understand they have Miles Garrett. Uh, and, yeah, that's going to be a force to reckon with. But I, I think overall they just have a little bit too much for the Browns uh, week one. Moving on, the next game. Uh, I believe this is Fox's game of the week, and it should be. Uh, we have Green Bay at Minnesota. Um, I'm very excited to see this week one. We just we talked about this is going to be a battle for the division this year. Um, this will be Sunday at 425 on Fox. Green Bay opens as a point-and-a-half favorite. The over-under is set at 47. Nick, who are you taking? Yeah, so in Minnesota, um, it is not in prime time. Luckily, only 425. And... Like I said, I think this is a Minnesota team that's going to come out firing. This is a season-defining game if you're Minnesota because you're used to looking in Green Bay's shadow. Um, I, I think Minnesota's going to come away with it. Yeah. Uh, Slade goes with Green Bay. Again, that should be picked one of the division. Um, I think this is going to be a great back-and-forth game. Uh, I'm Again, like I said, I'm excited to watch it. I went with Minnesota as well here. Um, I think week one, they're going to have their shit together. Uh, you know, if, if this game was week Seventeen, I could definitely see where they would implode. Uh, or eighteen, seventeen or eighteen weeks. Uh, yeah, seventeen games or eighteen. Weeks. Eighteen weeks. Okay, that's what. I it think is. I said week seventeen earlier too. But yeah. The um, so long. I, yeah, I think this this game is a coin flip, um, and it'll make great viewing on Sunday afternoon, just in time for me to get it home from Pennsylvania. So, uh, moving on, the next game, uh, we have the Chiefs visiting the Cardinals. This is uh. 425 as well over on CBS. Kansas City opens as almost a touchdown favorite. Uh, the over-under is set at 53 and a half. Uh, Nick, who are you taking? Yeah, so first of all, I'm taking that over. Um, but you good? <laughs> Cats are losing their shit over there. Oh, but um, I, as far as the winner goes, I'm taking the Chiefs in this one. I think they're just going to be too good. Like I said, I don't think Arizona is going to be sniffing playoff contention. So um, this is not going to be pretty. Yeah. Uh, Slate goes with the Chiefs as well. Uh, again, like you said, I am absolutely taking the over. I, I could see this easily being like the, the Chiefs-Rams game from a couple years ago where I think the final score was in the 60s. Uh, but I'm going to take the Chiefs as well. Um, granted, like we said last week, their defense is not as good as it was last year, uh, but their offense is so much better than Arizona's is. Uh, and I, I see them winning this handily. I think the touchdown, is, is, touchdown favorite is a fair. Uh, yeah. fair assessment that was that was to be to not be rude to arizona yeah that's what that was um moving on uh we have las vegas visiting the chargers uh, a rematch of the um final game of the year last year uh where you know they could have tied the both games of the playoffs they end up raiders end up getting in with the win um this will be played in la 425 on cbs uh la opens as a three-point favorite the over-under is set at 52 nick who are you taking yeah, um, I'm going with L.A. or sorry, not L.A. L.D. Las Vegas. I'm going with the Raiders here. I I like both of these teams. We talked about it previously. Um, I, quite honestly, I think you could flip this coin and be all right with your decision. 
Uh, but I think LA is going to come out with a little something to prove. Or sorry, LA Las Vegas is going to come out with something to prove. Um, they got Devontae Adams. I think that offense is being extremely overlooked, especially if you look at the way they were last year. Um, I think they're going to come out, like I said, with something to prove. And it's going to be a good game. Don't get me wrong. And I'm definitely taking the over on this one, too. But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Slade goes with the Raiders as well. And, again, I 100% agree. I'm taking the over on this. Uh, but I'm going with the Chargers. Uh, like I said last week, this is my pick to win the AFC. Just simply so I didn't jinx the Bills. But, like I said, this, this is the team I see facing the Bills in the AFC Championship game. Uh, I, I think their offense is arguably one of the best in the entire league this year. Um, they don't have a terrible defense either. They get Khalil Mack. Uh, so if he can stay healthy, he is going to be another force to reckon with on the edge for them. Um, again, I'm arguably uh, game of the week. Uh, you know, you get the wild or the playoff. You know, setup rematch from last year. I don't even know how to describe that. Without, <laughs> um, but again, I'm I'm very excited to see this game. I'm taking the Chargers though. Uh, next up, we have the Buccaneers visiting the Cowboys. Uh, this will be the nightcap on Sunday night on NBC. Uh, Tampa Bay is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under is set at 50. Nick, who are you taking? Yeah, let me tell you, there is nothing that starts off my NFL season better than watching Dallas lose in primetime, and that's exactly what I have going on. Um, like I said, I don't think the Bucks are bad this year. I just think some of those you know, distractions have a little effect. But this is a game that Tampa Bay should come into and win, and I think they're going to. Cowboys, just like their fans, are going to be hype all because they won 12 games and lost in the fucking first round of the playoffs last year. This is our year. We didn't yeah. boys. Yeah, and they're going to get – I don't want to say shit on. They're not going to get shit on, but they're going to lose at home week one. Everybody's going to be crying. There's going to be memes. I'm going to be laughing my ass off. It's going to be a great time. Yeah. They always find a way to make these week one uh, like marquee matchups really close over here. Um, but uh, Slay goes with Dallas. Uh, I went with Tampa Bay as well. Uh, I think there's just way too many questions on the Dallas offensive line this year. Um, Zeke cannot carry that team to you know multiple victories. Yeah, he, he can win them a couple of games, but uh, unless Dak can throw the ball around to competent receivers this year, um, I, I just don't think they have enough on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, moving on to the last game we're going to talk about, we have the Broncos at the Seahawks. Russell Wilson returns home. Uh, this will be Monday Night Football. Uh, on ESPN, Denver opens as a six and a half point favorite. The over under is set at forty four and a half. Um, I'm gonna come out and say this right now before you give your pick. I, I think they were trying not to hurt Seattle's feelings. Oh yeah, six and a half is generous, and I think I know it's at home, but six I think and Denver. A half ha- is... Yeah, I think Denver hangs forty four and a half alone on in Seattle. So, yeah, uh, your, I, your pick. They slapped that down. Like, yeah, I know we're about to lose a bunch bunch of money on this, but. Mm-hmm can't do seattle like that yeah i have to go physically have to go with the broncos i i russell wilson could get injured like in the first two minutes and i'd still see the broncos winning by 14 yeah Uh, i absolutely agree uh i mean it would would hurt my chances of hitting the over if that happened but yeah Yeah. uh slay goes with the broncos and i i go with the broncos as well i don't see i think seattle's is playing for the number one number one pick this year i think that's where they're at um Geno Smith and, and Drew Locke battling out for QB1, you know you already have issues there. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't see – not necessarily that this isn't going to be close, uh, but, I, yeah, I, 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 it's very hard for me to rationalize any reason that I think Seattle can, can keep this game close outside of the third quarter. Yeah. Uh, moving on, uh, we had an exciting week one of college football. Uh, so we're going to get into a little bit of a review here. Um, go over the games that we predicted and talk about them a little bit here. Uh, so first up, I think you could argue this is game of the week. Uh, North Carolina sixty three, App State sixty one. Yeah. Uh, App State scores forty points in the fourth quarter, ends up losing by two. Uh, the onside kick I think will go down in infamy. Uh, those four guys just got absolutely deleted off the football field. Yeah. And then he picks it up, runs it back for a touchdown. Uh, App State gets the ball back. They drive down and score, um, and their quarterback gets tackled on the inch line, going for two to tie the game to send it to overtime. Um, Oregon was already in their ass beat by that point. I, I honestly flipped back over and watched the final few minutes of <laughs> Which, that game. Luckily, you did, because I couldn't get the game, and I'm sitting there try- watching the scoreboard trying to figure out yeah. what the hell was going well, on. You, in the yeah, you and I were texting because App State scored, and they didn't get the two. They were going for the win, so they were down by one. 
But then all of a sudden it said UNC scores. We're like, what's going on? Like, there's no way yeah. they took the kickoff back. Like, it was an onside kick. Sure as shit, they did. Yeah. But ESPN yeah. wanted to tell us that on the app. So I, I literally had to go back to the game. I'm like, what the fuck's going on? Um, yeah, that was an absolutely amazing game. I, I am very sad I didn't get to go to that game. I, I honestly probably would have passed up going to the lake this past weekend just to go watch that game in person. Um, that was awesome. The only thing, I, other thing I want to talk about coming out of this game, I think Drake May, I, I talked very highly of him after the FAMU game. Um, I think he's, and now granted, it's two weeks in. Um, I don't want to overhype this too much, but I think he is starting to sneak his name into the, the Heisman conversation a little bit. Um, again, not Heisman favorite material or anything like that, but I, I think he's definitely, I, I would put him on, on Heisman watch, uh, kind of like I did with Sam Hartman last year. Um, he can keep this up throughout the whole season. Uh, I, I, he's very impressive for the, through the first two weeks. Um, again, another great game we had. We had Utah visiting Florida. This goes down to the wire. Uh, Florida the squeaks week. out. Yeah, Florida squeaks out a three-point victory. Um, Cameron Rising throws it. I don't even want to say it was a bad throw, but it was a great play by the defense. Um, you could argue this pass interference, but the ball wasn't getting to the wide receiver anyway. The dude, dude picked it off in front of him, so. Um, yeah, I mean, huge win for Florida. They get bumped up to the rankings this week. Uh, we'll go over the top 25 here in a minute. Um, heartbreak for Utah, though. Uh, this is yeah. kind of their game to – they're going into SEC territory. Uh, it's a huge matchup, and they can you know, put themselves in like, hey, we're, we're contenders this year. Granted, they're not out of the college football playoff race by any means, um, but, you know, it, it, it hurts. Um, yeah. Next up, we had Cincinnati, Arkansas. Again, another great game. Uh, Arkansas is able to hang on for the 31-24 win. Uh, and I can't think of the Arkansas head coach's name, but he's my new favorite. He's like, oh. <laughs> I don't encourage drinking, but I'm, I'm going out and getting a beer after this game. Uh, <laughs> probably my favorite post-game interview so far. Um, next up, we had BYU at USF. Uh, Nick, you put BYU on upset alert. Uh, that's a massive. I was game. wrong. I'm not ashamed <laughs> to admit it. I think it was you 21 said- one of you two said, man, BYU's off to a good start. And I looked, and he had 21 nothing in the first quarter. And I was like, damn, bro. Sometimes you're wrong. It is what it is. I think is. it was only like five minutes into the game, too. Like, I don't think yeah. it was long at all. Like, oh, it was shit. early. Yeah. Um, the Brian Kelly heads uh, – I don't even know what to call it. I was going to say dynasty, but it's sure shitty that – The Brian Kelly regime at LSU gets off to a rough start. Uh, Florida State wins 24-23 on a blocked extra point. Uh, we're going to talk about more – talk about this game more here in a minute um well game i feel like a lot of people didn't have as close including us um was ohio state and notre dame uh finishes yeah. 21 to 10 notre dame led much of that game uh up until middle of the fourth quarter ohio state, i did say that the spread was disrespectful yeah did say. um ohio state put together two really good drives to take the lead and then extend the lead um and then <laughs> the worst football game i've ever watched in my fucking life uh Georgia just blows Oregon's doors off, forty-nine to three. Um, I I turned the game off when it was twenty-eight to three. I was I I ain't watching this. Uh, when Bo Nix threw the pick when we were just outside the red zone, I, if the child next to me was not sleeping, I would have screamed profanities. People probably have never heard of. Um, I was I was so over it at that point. There wasn't enough bush light in the world to to cure that. Um, but that those are the those that. are the that's the scoreboard from week one. Uh, a look at the updated standings. Slade holds a slim lead over Nick in the game picks. Uh, he is twelve and five. Nick's eleven and six. And I am officially not five hundred anymore. Uh, I am eight and nine. Uh, in our cash out standings, Nick still leads the way at eight and four. Uh, Slade and I are both tied at five and seven. We both went. All of us went one and one this week with our bets. Um, so back to the, the scoreboard real quick, because Nick, I'm going to get your thoughts on week one uh, and, and, and what you saw this whole. Yeah, so uh, North Carolina game, like you said, absolutely electric. Um, that's this weekend. I watch. I didn't get to watch the whole Carolina game. Like I said, I couldn't find it towards the end, but I watched the first half, maybe first three quarters. Um, and I got to witness both of the highs and lows of college football because I was also flipping to the uh, Iowa. I, was it North Dakota? No, South Dakota State. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and the game finished seven to three. And it was three to three at one point. So you do that math. Um, somehow Iowa got two safeties and 
it was probably the most boring football game I've ever watched in my life, and I can't stand watching Pee Wee football. So that should tell you a lot. Um, I think they. Uh, so I Tony and I were watching that game before the Oregon game came on. Brian Ferentz needs to be fired. Like I understand he's Kirk's son, but holy shit! Like there's so much incompetence in that offense, and and it's yeah, year in year out, and it seems like he has one really good game a year, good game a year, and it's either against like it's always against a really good team like Penn State. Yeah. Or Ohio State, and any other time he, he shits the bed. Like, I understand it's week one, you know, you're still trying to figure a lot of stuff out. It's the first time we said this last week, it's the first time these teams are facing an, another school or another yeah. offense, defense, whatever. So, I understand, you know, it taking a quarter or maybe even a half. And South Dakota State is not a bad team, they're one of the best teams in the FCS. Um, but seven to three is just absolutely disgusting. Uh, yeah, Brian Ferris needs, especially fire. when you have one of the best defenses in the country like yeah. they had good field position and still didn't do nothing with it um and not even as often as you would think south dakota state was actually moving the ball pretty decently they just couldn't get down to uh, finish drives but anyway um cincinnati arkansas game game uh great the, the florida upset I, I had it on my radar um but i just didn't think that florida was going to be good enough week one to pull it off uh but turns out utah wasn't good enough week one to hold uh, to hold it off um, Florida State called it. Um, Ohio State Notre Dame. That was a great game, and that really we talked about it. Um, and I'm pretty sure you're going to talk about it here in a minute. Um, Notre Dame looked a whole lot better than anybody thought they would, and really that 11 point difference is pretty misconceiving. That could have very well been the um going in Notre Dame's favor. So definitely going to be a team to watch this year. And yeah. I won't say anything about the Georgia Oregon game. I, I other than it. Georgia I looks really good. That's what I'll yeah, say. Georgia I don't think really there's good. anything to say about that. <laughs> outside of, I, I think, yeah, there was a lot of mistakes Oregon made that they, they could have done a lot better. Um, but at the end of the day, Georgia, Alabama proved that they, they deserve to be the top two in, in, in yeah. college football. Uh, this, we, this first week, we realized that it's still Georgia and Alabama's show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Ohio State definitely turned it on in the fourth quarter there. I mean, I I, I think just from that game alone, if you take – take if, if week one ended the season and you looked at – it would absolutely be Alabama-Georgia a mile ahead of Ohio State. Um, I think it was Ohio State still has the potential there. They lost JSN early, and I feel like that just knocked C.J. Stroud completely out of rhythm. And their whole offense then from that point just, just couldn't get it together yet. Could not get it together. Um Fourth quarter, they turned it on, and I remember watching Ohio State's touchdown drive to go up twenty-one to ten. Notre Dame was getting really good pressure. That's that's they were pressuring CJ Stroud. The biggest thing is Stroud showed how smart he is on his feet. I, I guess. Oh yeah. That's the way you say it. He was scrambling. Uh, his his receivers were finding ways to extend the play and get open. And no matter how good of a defense you have, um, it's always difficult to defend against a quarterback that can do that. Uh, on you know, Notre Dame's offense, this is the second game in a row, um, the big game in a row that we've seen their offense just go dead cold in in the second half. That's something that you, I really want to see Tommy Reese get fixed uh, with with his play calling. Is it the quarterback? What you know? What what is going on there that you can't, you know, continue to move the ball like you did in the first half? Uh, there was plenty of opportunities there for them to extend their lead. I think if they go up seventeen to seven. I, I think Ohio State panics, and I, I think from that point on, they're able to lock up that game. Um, but they, they need to figure out a way to continue offense production into the second half. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, you said it, you know, 16 and a half points was disrespectful. After watching that Oregon game, I honest to God, I went on FanDuel, and I was like, there's no fucking way Notre Dame keeps that at 16 and a half if Oregon <laughs> couldn't. Uh, and I was, I was dead wrong. Um, the LSU game, and, and here's what I want to talk about. I put it on her TikTok, but I want to let, go into it a little bit more here. Um, and I texted, well, I texted both of you, but you and I talked about this on, on Saturday night, or excuse me, Sunday night. Um, I think it has become blatantly obvious that Brian Kelly was the problem at Notre Dame, um, you know, as, as to why they, they couldn't beat, you know, high-ranked opponents. Um, they, they couldn't finish off, you know, good seasons in the national championship. Um, a lot of people have come to Kelly's defense and said, oh, you know, Hey, everybody that you know comes to LSU, there's a lot more pressure. It it just takes him, you know, a year or two to get in the sink. Like that's what happened to Nick Saban. He came in his first year, went eight and four, and everybody was ready to fire him. Two years later, he wins the national championship. 
in my mind, I think these are completely different scenarios. I th- first of all, it's a crime to commit or uh, compare Brian Kelly to Nick Saban. They they are nowhere near the, the same level. Um, Brian Kelly hadn't made it in Notre Dame. He, he had job security because as long as he was having winning seasons, Notre Dame doesn't like change. They, they don't want to bring in a new coach just because you're you're only going ten and two, nine and three every year. Um, and they don't want to disrupt things. They, they like to keep things simple. Um, and, and so he he was safe there. And now he goes to LSU in in the SEC and a fan base who, if you're not going ten and two or twelve and zero every goddamn year, yeah. you're, you're a failure. Uh, you know, we we've seen that with many coaches who are putting up half decent seasons, you know, winning records, but it's just not good enough. You know, if your name isn't in the national championship conversation, um, you you don't belong here. Um, I think Brian Kelly is not an, a great recruiter. Uh, his last year at Notre Dame, yeah, he started to bring in some big names, and then he leaves. And guess what? All those big names stayed at Notre Dame. So it, it's clear to me that his assistant coaches were the ones out there saying, hey, you you can do great things at Notre Dame and bringing them in. And now that Marcus Freeman was the one that stayed at Notre Dame, those kids are like, hey, you know, I bought in the Freeman's vision of, of Brian Kelly's team. Brian Kelly's gone, and I'm buying in the Marcus Freeman now. I think that team as a whole bought on the Marcus Freeman a lot more than they ever did Brian Kelly, and that's why you had the 21-10 result. Again, yeah. we, we just said, should have been a lot closer than that. Notre Dame very easily could have won that game. Um, they had Ohio State and on Brian the road. Brian Kelly would have let them cover the spread. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that, that's a 41-10 game if Brian Kelly yeah. goes. Um, again, I, I'm, and I'm not saying Brian Kelly is a bad coach. He is definitely overrated, though. Everybody hyped him up so much for the LSU. He's the winningest coach at Notre Dame. The fucking dude's record he beat was from the early 1900s. Like, I think that says more about the shitty coaches Notre Dame hired in between there than it does yeah. about Brian Kelly. And, you know, you're, you're talking about a, a, an era of college football when Army would win a national championship every other year or, you know, schools like that. And, and there wasn't powerhouses like – there was powerhouses, but, you know, Alabama – and Jordan and schools like that weren't, you know, winning national championships every other year and stuff like that. Where Notre Dame could go to Toledo and, you know, it wasn't rare for them to lose. And now, if Notre Dame loses to Toledo, it's like, what the fuck's going on? Like, it's a completely yeah. different, different era of college football. And it took them a year longer in three times as many games a year. Or excuse me, it was a year shorter, but it was three times as many games a year as, you know, what Newt Rockney had back then. Um, so, Again, yeah, it's great for him that he has that record now. I, I think it's a little unfair that people are pointing to a record that was from the early 1900s. Um, but it is what it is. People are going to you know, always make that comparison now. Again, I'm not saying Brian Kelly's the worst coach. He's probably the best coach LSU could have hired last year outside of Lincoln Riley. Um, but I don't think he's not going to bring the talent in he needs to compete with Alabama and Georgia and teams like that. Um, you know, I, I think kids are looking at him as like this horny old dude. Like we've seen these videos of him dancing and shit, and kids are like, I don't want to fucking go with that coach. Yeah, like, I'd, I'd rather go with a you know a coach that you know he's gonna be a hard ass on me like Nick Saban is. But guess what? At the end of the day, I understand that he's doing it for the better. We're gonna build a national championship team. We're gonna build an NFL type career here, uh, and I don't think Brian Kelly has that in him. And I, I think it, it's gonna get exposed even more at LSU. I think the only thing that's gonna save him in recruiting is the LSU name. And, and I said this yesterday is people are going to look at that and go, hey, I can go to LSU. I can play against these top-tier guys at Bama and Georgia. I can make a name for myself, and that'll be just enough to get me on a draft board, and I'll get drafted. But outside of that, I don't see any appeal to go to LSU right now. Yeah. Uh, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, those are my two cents about Brian Kelly. I have a lot more, but we have enough other shit to talk about. Um, yeah, so week one was, was a lot of fun. I'm Honestly, just excited for week two. We have a huge uh, bunch of matchups coming up. Um, we're going to talk all about week two on our Saturday morning podcast. Um, out of the Tunnel, uh, live YouTube, 8 a.m. Uh, we really hope you guys join us. And, again, thank you to everybody that joined us last week. Uh, again, we're over 30 views, uh, and so we are beyond uh, grateful and thankful for that. Uh, the last thing before we go, uh, we have our weekly top five. Uh, a pretty simple top five this week. Uh, just our top five moments from week one of college football. Uh, Nick, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so up first at number five, I have the finish to the West Virginia Pitt matchup. Um, at, you know, 
catch, not a catch. I didn't think it was a catch, but nonetheless, um, the team that I wanted to win, or that I not that I wanted to win, but that I picked to win, um, ended up winning. So I can't argue about it. Uh, number four, I have these in my mind, but I didn't decide an order on them yet. So I'm gonna think through it a little bit. Number four, I'd have to say probably the UNC Appalachian State game. Um, just the craziness that went on there at the end. Uh, 60 points for both teams. 40 points scored by the losing team in the fourth quarter. Um, hell of a game. Uh, number three. Okay, so I'm gonna go. I, I'm gonna. I'll come back to three. So number one, I had. Um, I know I skipped two. I'm going backwards. Work my way there. Um, up first, I have the Penn State Purdue game. Obviously. Um mainly because I had to get it on the podcast somehow because we hadn't talked about it yet. Uh, but um, in my personal opinion, I just want to say real quick, I, I think it was a good win. I'm not saying we're winning national champs. I think it was a good win. That's it. Um, number two, I have the LSU loss to Florida State. Um, I would have picked that one had Penn State and Purdue not been in such a good game um, just because I love seeing Brian Kelly lose week one. Um, I think that probably was the best part that happened to me all weekend. And number three, I have, hold on. Can you bring up that graphic again real quick? Because I'm drawing a blank. I need to see it. Oh, yes. Duh. Um, that's why I didn't remember. The ups, the Florida, Florida upset over Utah. Um, I was rooting for Utah. I had Utah pick the win. But I love a good uh, underdog win, especially week one, to start this season off on just an absolute amazing weekend. So, that's my top five. That's a pretty solid top five. Uh, number five, uh, I, I agree with you. I, I had the West Virginia pit game. Uh, it was so awesome to see that rivalry back. Um, the crowd was into it. it that was such a, a cool atmosphere, and I, I can't believe I'm saying that about Pitt. Um, <laughs> but I said this on Saturday's show. That is absolutely a game that deserves to be played every year. I think it's been a, it's a crime that wasn't played for 11 years. And Pitt... 100% needs to play both West Virginia and Penn State every year. Um, moving on, my number four moment, uh, I have um, this work here. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Anthony Richardson's touchdown pass against Utah with the fakes, the pump fake spin move um, that you know eventually led to them taking the lead and then the upset. That was one of the sickest moves I think I've ever seen. And when when they showed the end zone came there. Uh, I I still can't believe that was real. Um, number three, I put UNC Appalachian State. Uh, what a game to open week one. Uh, number two, I have uh, Florida State LSU. Um, just watching Brian Kelly lose and then the, the blocked extra point was just like the oh yeah, icing um, on the cake right there. My number one moment of week one was the NC State ECU game. Uh, a game everybody picked NC State to blow out ECU. It came down to a missed field goal and a missed extra point. Um, heartbreak for ECU, but, I mean, that's what week one's all about is, is these low-tier teams. You know, I don't even want to say low-tier because they're not, but, um, you know, these teams that a lot of people don't think have a chance, you know, coming out and surprising a lot of people. Um, and that's what makes college football great. Um, and then real quick, I, I said we were going to go over this quick. Um, and I forgot to talk about it. Uh, we're going to give you the top 25 rankings updated real quick. Uh, number 25 is Houston. Uh, they go down one spot. That was an absolutely amazing game with UTSA. We didn't talk about that. Um, goes to three overtimes. Uh, again, you could argue game of the week. Um, Tennessee moves up two spots into the rankings. Uh, they are now 24th. Wake Forest is 23rd. Ole Miss is 22nd. BYU jumps up to 21. Uh, Kentucky stays at 20th. They have a huge game this week at Florida. Um, Wisconsin down the 19th. NC State down the 18th. Pitt stays at 17th. Arkansas up to 16th. Miami 15th. Michigan State 14th. Utah drops to 13th. Here's where I have a little bone to pick with this poll. Florida jumps all the way from unranked to 12th. Again, I 100% understand that was a huge win for them. Not but a bit over exaggerated. Yeah, I don't. They deserve to be ranked. I think twelve is is steep, uh, to say the least. Uh, Oklahoma State eleventh, USC tenth, Baylor ninth, Notre Dame drops down to eighth. Again, I feel like that's fair. 
they showed that they, they have a team capable of upsetting one of the top three teams in college football. Um, if they would have dropped outside of the top ten, I would have questioned that, but I think eighth is fair. Oklahoma jumps up to seventh. Texas A&M up to sixth. Clemson drops down to fifth. Uh, Michigan jumps up to fourth. Ohio State and Georgia swap places, so Ohio State is third. Georgia is second. And Alabama stays first. Uh, no surprise after they absolutely just blew out Utah State. Um, and classic Nick Saban screaming on the sideline upset his players because they missed one key. I think they had a turnover late in the fourth quarter, and I think they missed a tackle at some point, and they cut to the sideline to save the lead. I was going to say, yeah, they, they didn't score. I don't know if they ended up scoring at the end of the game again. I don't think so. But they hadn't scored from, like, 10 minutes left in the third quarter, and my first thought was, damn, Saban is probably infuriated. Yeah. Um, yeah so I also wanted to say, I'll say it so you don't have to, because I thought you were going to, but you didn't. Um, to see Utah lose to an unranked team, and obviously they moved Florida up very drastically, but nonetheless, and then I get that you got your absolute shit pushed in, but to move Oregon completely out of the rankings when they just lost to your second-ranked team kind of seemed weird to me. But I mean, I think, I'm not going to argue with it because I don't have a leg to stand on right now. Uh, yeah. Now, <laughs> There's not much argument to you. Yeah. Uh, this week we play Eastern Washington. Next week we play BYU. So, I mean, if we can upset them, we play them at home, so that'll be a huge game. Yeah. I mean, it's a wait and see. Hopefully by week three we kind of have our, our shit figured out uh, and we, we can play a little bit better. Um, but you just lost to Georgia like a power or like a group of five team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that, that game's on Hannah's birthday weekend, so uh, I really hate to ruin her birthday weekend because Oregon gets their shit pushed in again. Um, <laughs> But that'll do it for this week's episode. We thank you guys so much for checking us out. Uh, again, just a quick reminder, Saturday morning, 8 a.m., we will bring you out of the tunnel live on our YouTube. Uh, if you miss a live show, it is still up afterwards. If you want to go check out last week's and see your thoughts you know, before week one happened and then compare them to after week one happened, um, feel free to do that as well. Um, go follow our Instagram, Spotify, or Spotify, our Instagram, TikTok, and our Twitter. Uh, we would really appreciate that. And We'll see you guys Saturday morning. Excited to be back too. Yeah, you will. All right. Bye, guys.